So we're going to talk today about the Tenth Commandment. We're going to talk about it very briefly, which is ironic since for many traditions, this is actually two commandments. They split them up. Why is that? The cynical answer is so that they don't have a commandment all about making statues and stuff because they love their statues. Um, but more likely, it's just an alternate way of rendering these, and neither the Protestant nor Catholic way, quote-unquote, of numbering the Ten Commandments is the same as the, the Jewish rendering, in which the first of the ten words, they're called the ten davrim, the ten words, is simply, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt. Um, that's probably a better way to do it. That's probably the, the correct way to do it, if there is a correct way, uh, because it roots all of this, then, in who God is. Same as, how does the Great Commission begin? Does anyone remember? It doesn't just start with a command. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, therefore. So there's the grounds for him giving the command, and then there's the command. In the same way, uh, the, the Ten Commandments are not grounded in some arbitrary truth that exists outside of God, but in who God is, what he's done for us, uh, and how he is the, the God who saves us and redeems us uh, out of slavery. So we'll just talk about the 10th commandment quickly because I think we already touched on it during our discussion of the 8th commandment, 10th commandment being essentially the internal aspect or lead up to or version of the 8th commandment, thou shalt not steal. Uh, the 10th commandment, well, let's go right to the uh, catechism and read together. Question 63, what is the 10th commandment? The 10th commandment is, Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's house, thou shalt not cover thy neighbor's wife, nor his manservant, nor his maidservant, nor his ox, nor his ass, nor anything that is thy neighbor's. The coveting, it, why do you think it goes into such detail when it doesn't say don't steal your neighbor's ox or cart or, or any of these things? That's a good question. Hmm. I think stealing is a little bit more cut and dry, or coveting could be just not, wanting, and and so they have to be a little more um, encompassing on coveting. Actually, hey, I see. I wonder if. Um, Stealing is like, you couldn't steal any of these things without being noticed. Mm -hmm. Is that why they mention the big things? This is kind of my thought is that the, the Eighth Commandment, you know when you've broken it. I mean, we did get down into some sub-sub-categories, which included, you know, stealing time from your employer by uh, putting in half effort or something, which wouldn't be obvious. But for the most part, you know when you've stolen Whereas with the Tenth Commandment, this is something that without all these examples, you could probably in your mind just go, I, I, haven't, I haven't broken this one. I'm not a covetous person. I'm not someone uh, full of avarice that's walking around going, I wish I had that, I wish I had that. Start giving examples though. Absolutely. When's the last time you looked at your neighbor's ox and thought, nice ox. Um, yeah, well, Sean mentioned... Your neighbor having something that you covet. I don't remember what it was. It's on, it's on uh, the MP3 there, so you can't get out of it now. But was it a car? 
It wasn't your neighbor's wife. I remember that. <laughs> I don't remember. I find it hard to believe that no one can actually say they haven't broken that commandment. That you haven't seen something that you wished you had. Yeah, and, and certainly what's happening here is much like, it's almost like the preview of what Jesus will do with the law. It's taking the external commandment that's about what you do with your hands uh, or your lips in taking God's name in vain or all of your effort in breaking the Sabbath and internalizing it. Now, even if you don't do this outwardly, everyone's going to have to admit that they've, in their heart, maybe you didn't have the guts to go through with the heist, but... <laughs> Just like how Jesus says adultery in the heart is still adultery, even if it's just lust, stealing in the heart is still breaking the command, even if it's just covetousness. And it's pushing us inwardly that old covenant is not just law, law, law with no grace. In fact, we already talked about the nature of the covenants, and and I scribbled all over the board for quite a long time, but there are a couple different ways that people view this in kind of the particular Baptist and Reformed tradition world. One is that all covenants after the initial one with Adam are covenants of grace, including this one with Moses. I think it's more accurate to say that the Mosaic law actually, and the Mosaic covenant actually rehearse the covenant of works first and then point us toward grace. And remember, you're you're not required, in the covenant of works, you're required to keep it perfectly. One bite from that fruit and you're done. In the covenant of, uh, in the Mosaic covenant, the old covenant, you're not required to keep it perfectly. He doesn't have, you know, a whole list of the first time anyone covets something, they're out forever, never talk to them again. It's kind of your best effort and then there's this sacrifice uh, there to, to make up the difference for where you fail. Uh, pointing us away from our own works toward blood spilled on our behalf and, of course, ultimately forward to the cross. Uh, Let's read number 64 then, where we talk about the actual content of it. What is forbidden in the Tenth Commandment? The Tenth Commandment forbids all discontentment with our own estate, envying or grieving at the good of our neighbor, and all inordinate emotions and affections to anything that is his. All right, I think I have an old-timey sermon illustration for you. An Italian bishop struggled through great difficulties without repining and met with much opposition without ever betraying the least impatience. An intimate friend of his who highly admired these virtues, which he thought impossible to imitate, one day asked the bishop if he could communicate his secret of being always easy. Yes, replied the old man, I can teach you my secret with great facility. It consists in nothing more than making a right use of my eyes. His friend begged him to explain himself. Most willingly, returned the bishop. He's always easy, this guy. In whatever state I am, I first of all look up to heaven and remember that my principal business here is to get there. I then look down on the earth and call to mind how small a space I shall occupy in it when I come to be interred. (laughs) 
I then look abroad on the world and observe what multitudes there are who are in all respects more unhappy than myself. Thus I learn where true happiness is placed, where all our cares must end, and how very little reason I have to repine or complain. Interesting approach to finding contentment in all things, especially, I, I love the considering, you know, if my whole life is wrapped up in this earth, I'm only going to wind up with like six by three or something at the end of the day. And uh, it, it's a lot of wasted effort. If I'm content with that and put my mind on things above, uh, I'm going to find myself a lot more always easy. And not in the way that your mother warned you about. I don't have a ton more to ask you about in this, only a couple of thoughts. Uh, and I want to read the three proof texts here as well. Uh, the first thing uh, that is proof texted is that it forbids all discontentment with our own estate. I'm sure you all know where that's going to point us, uh, 1 Corinthians 10.10, what that says, but would someone flip over there? I got it. Let's, oh, wow, let's hear it. Oh, I, no, I'm on 2 Corinthians. Oh. <laughs> Which didn't make any sense to me. <laughs> I wanted to read it out loud. Um, you, you wanted a gotcha moment. First 10, 10. Uh, nor grumble, as some of them did, and were destroyed by the destroyer. I guess we needed the verse before it, too. Okay. Which is, we must not put Christ to the test as some of them did and were destroyed by serpents, nor grumble as some of them did and were destroyed by the destroyer. Remember, the greatest sin of God's people in the wilderness was indeed yeah. discontentment all the time. We are hungry. Feed us food. Okay, free food from heaven. Here you go. We hate this. Give us other stuff. Quail, please. Okay, quail, out your nostrils, literally. Well, not literally, but... Literally, those are the words in scripture, figuratively. Oh, we hate this quail. We're so sick of it. Now it's piling up. I mean, just constant discontentment and, and grumbling. Uh, it was forbidden in this commandment because this commandment is telling us not to focus all of our desire and energy on something we don't have. I think we could also point to Paul saying that he has learned the secret to being content in every situation, whether with much or with little. Okay, so envying or grieving at the good of our neighbor, Galatians 5, 26. Anyone? Anyone? Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. That basically just says what the catechism says. Um, provoking and envying one another. I think that those two things do go hand in hand. You're not going to be at harmony with other people when you are focused on wanting what they have that you don't. You're going to be at enmity with them. Um, Aaron and I and Calvin listen to the same book on tape every year at about this time called Skipping Christmas, which is really funny. And, and uh, it's funnier to, to listen to than to read it because the guy's got a great delivery. But one line that, well, we at this point, it's been 20 years, we repeat almost all the lines with it. But uh, one line that cracked us up was uh, Luther uh, couldn't stand... Walt because of his snobbiness and one-upmanship, and Walt despised Luther because for years he had suspected that their salaries were almost equal. Neighbors in this kind of, um, I need to be better than you 
If you've got that, I need it. Oh, you've got a pool. Suddenly I need a pool in my backyard. Doctor's orders. Oh, you redid your kitchen for $6,000. I'm redoing mine for seven. Or maybe I don't have the means, so I just feel awful and I'm very negative about yours and I think your cooking got even worse after the renovation. Um, let's read the last one. All inordinate emotions and affections in anything that is his. Colossians 3, 5. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. Wow, that is quite a list to include covetousness. You start thinking about what are some like varsity-level sins. Mm -hmm. Sexual immorality, uh, uh, impurity, lust, evil desires, and covetousness, which is idolatry. And, and now we've equated one of those big-time sins with idolatry, the breaking of the first and second commandment, kind of the core of all sin, and it was covetousness. Because we are giving a thing or an attainment or a title or something that we don't have the place that God should have in our hearts and in our affections. It's an inordinate emotion. It's good to want to have things. It's good to want to achieve things. It's good to want to attain things. God made us with... Uh, this kind of goal-oriented life. And when people just float through life, they don't honor God more because there being less covetousness. The problem comes in when it becomes inordinate, when it gets out of order, which is what that means. Now, you know, it's not God, family, stuff. It's stuff, you know, we, 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 however it gets messed up. And, and it, I think that tends to further confuse the order of things once you start putting... Uh, that which should be used for God's glory into the position that God should, should hold in our lives. How do you know when you've gotten, you know, from being laudably driven and goal-oriented to being covetous? That, I think, is an important question for Americans because we really hold up and, and uh, celebrate those who, you know, they're go-getters, they want it, they see it, they, you know, think about... Uh, some of these Olympians, their, their stories. And you're like, oh, they had nothing and they just focused on, I want that gold medal and then they went and got it. Well, it's great. And I'm not suggesting that it's always covetousness, but how do we put up the safeguard because our hearts are sinful to keep us from falling into that trap? I think spend time focusing on God. Mm -hmm. You know, if you start your day focusing on God, maybe you'll focus less on other things. Mm. What if your day is set up, though, to focus on the other things? Then starting with God, I think, colors the way you focus on the other things, right? I mean, if, if you're eight hours at work, so, you know, the next eight hours are spent making money, that's not bad. That's what, you know, the Bible commands that for, the, for those who are uh, able to, to work, to work with their hands and, and earn their own way. But if, yeah, you begin by focusing on, why am I doing this? Ultimately, what is the chief end of me? I think we find ourselves in a much better frame of, of mind. And, you know, that brings to mind, Cindy, that uh, old sermon illustration of, uh, it's a little tired, but I love it. H how is it that bank tellers can spot counterfeit money so easily? And people often think that they've had these big seminars where they study every different kind of counterfeit, and some have. Um, but more often than not, that's going to be your Secret Service guys who are doing that, who are looking for the counterfeit. The, you know, I see the, the flaw. 
Rather, a bank teller has handled so much of the real thing so continually that when something feels off, they're like, "This no, there's a problem here. And that, I think, becomes how we avoid that sort of idolatry. We spend so much time with the real thing that when we feel our heart reorienting toward and pointing toward something else, it just feels off, feels icky. And we kind of take a step back and say, God, help me get reordinated here in my inordinate emotions. Um, one of the things from that first illustration that you used was besides perspective of like how, what is like ultimately what is my life on this earth and how much effort and money and time do I want to spend amassing things that I will not actually own for the rest of eternity. Um, but also the focusing on people who don't have what you have, rather than focusing on the people who have the things you mm. want, you focus on people who don't have, and then you're more content with what you have because you're not looking at the things that this other person has. Now, the Italian bishop said he focuses on how so many people were more unhappy than him, which sometimes you hear people say, you know, like whenever I feel like, oh, I don't have anything, I think, oh, but there are people, you know, in countries in Africa who just have a hut and no running water or blah, blah, blah. Um, I, I assume you're saying more focusing on people that you can help or that you can aid. Yeah, rather than looking, and this is the wrong language, but rather than looking up at the next kind of step in the socioeconomic ladder or something, how do I get there? How do I put all my effort into boosting myself up there? You look down, and again, I know that's the wrong language, but it's what I've got, uh, and say, how do I help them? How do I care for people who are struggling? How do I do what, whatever I can? And, and yeah, indeed, if, if somebody is, is trying to make their way up to reach out a hand toward them rather than saying, I'm going to pull myself up this way, it, it would be hard, I think, to do both at the same time uh, for very long anyway. I was finding it interesting, and skip this if it's taking us off topic at all, but all of this is focused on, like, wanting things that people you know have, but I have not, I've had a lot more discontentment in life, not with things that specific people I know have, but like back when there were magazines, you know, and like there's all these home magazines, you're like, oh, I love that room, I love this thing, or nobody actually has those things, you know, it's just stuff that you're supposed to want to buy, or like in general, how our economy works, it's you have to have the next thing, the next trend, the next uh, you know, better version of this, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the step up. And it's not like coveting that some, something that somebody else has. It's just coveting it in general. Um, I think you found a loophole and you're okay because it's not your no, neighbors. Yeah. And all of these yeah. say your neighbor's yeah. stuff. So. But, it's, like, that's interesting but then Jesus says, who is my neighbor? Right. Uh, 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 but like, this guy in the magazine. If you think about their economy, it wouldn't be the same as ours where, you know, you've got like this huge lot full of your, full of oxen or donkeys or whatever. And then, you know, well, that donkey's much better than Use that donkey. Use donkey salesman, you know? dude. Yeah. <laughs> Take him for a test ride. Now, you might have an old one and want a new one yeah. in general, even if your neighbor doesn't have, you know, okay. a, a young, yeah. strong donkey. Um, I just had never noticed that before. That kind of brings to mind a related question, which is, are we in this commanded like that to be perfectly content to the point of, you know, if it ain't broke, don't replace it. If this is the case, I'm the holiest guy ever. (laughs) Well, everyone's going, I want a newer phone. I want a better phone. I want to, I'm going, I still use my Palm Pilot from 2002. 
And if I could avoid getting a new phone ever for the rest of my life, I would. Um, and only when Aaron begins to subtly mock me do I get new clothes. Uh, <laughs> I never want to rearrange anything in the house. I'm like, that's a good couch. Let's just keep that till we die. But I don't think that that makes me more spiritual. I think that just makes me more Baptist because I don't like change. Um, where's the, the line here with uh, desiring something nicer, something better, like, like Aaron brings up? Is it completely wrong to get the Magnolia Farms uh, magazine? There are still magazines. They're just like 70 bucks a piece and so glossy it took more plastic than trees to make it. But like, you flip through it and you go, gosh, I'm never gonna have this. But I like to look at it. I can't imagine that that's impossible to do without coveting. I think though that it does, for me at least, things like that, would they breed discontent. And it's not that you don't like what you have, it's that like, ooh, this you know pretty thing, or this uh, more interesting, or you know, my dreams where I have, like, another room in the house, I'm all excited about more, like, another room. Um, I think that it's it's still focusing on you and what you want rather than focusing on things above, right? It's focusing on um, prettying up this life. But is it a sin to, like, to look at that stuff? I think it depends on the person, Right. Yeah, what effect does it have on your heart? Like, I watch countless hours and have for years of tiny house documentaries. I cannot get enough of those. Do you know what a tiny house is? It's like 100 square feet or something. I am obsessed with them. I would never live in one. I, I, it would be impossible. I have so much stuff because, again, I never throw anything away because I'm smart. But... Uh, <laughs> I think a lot of people, the same thing, you know, you get the, the style magazine or you get the whatever. My mom used to get good housekeeping. I don't know if that exists anymore. And cottage living and country living and all these things in the 80s. And I don't, I don't, I know she didn't go through it and go, I'm getting more and more bitter. It was just kind of a nice right. diversion. It was just kind of fun. It was like going over to a friend's house and seeing what they've done with the place. You know what you've done with the place. I, I think we have to guard our hearts and know when maybe, ye, I need to take a break from X, Y, or Z because it's right. fueling certain... Even if it's... I mean, what's the difference between I have to stop watching a particular television show because it fills me with rage or lust and I need to stop reading a particular magazine because it fills me with covetousness, which right. is idolatry. I think a lot of that would go back to your relationship with Christ. And if you have a healthy relationship, these things are going to jump out at you saying, oh, this is not right. This is right. You'll, you'll know through that. Mm -hmm. if, you, if, you, if you're having problems with that, then maybe you better look back at your relationship with Christ. And but you won't know you have a problem then. There you go. Well, the Spirit would hopefully convict us. But I don't know. I, I often think that the Spirit's like the... Oh, this is, gonna, this is always going to get blasphemous when you start talking this way. But almost like the airbag or the police, where you go... It, it responds to the problem, uh, the airbag. I'm not calling the Spirit it. Um, when it happens, if I wait for a conviction of sin, maybe I've already wandered myself into temptation too far without turning and running. Ideally, I'll get to a point where, yes, the Spirit will convict me when I'm starting to, because my flesh will always pull me in the direction of sin, but it doesn't have to be a four-alarm, you have, you know, danger, Will Robinson, you've, you've wandered all the way into this place where you're on the edge. You know, I think... We can set up our lives so that we're aware of what our, I mean, this is not 
language the Puritans used or anything, but our triggers to sin, um, something that's going to set your mind off. It's going to form our association. Paul worries a lot about that. So he's kind of thinking of triggers in that sense of, you know, if you come out of a pagan background, I don't want you going to the market and getting meat that was sacrificed to an idol. If you come from a Jewish background and, you know, you're not causing someone to stumble and you're not having your pagan neighbors over tonight, go nuts. It's a great deal. We know an idol is nothing. You know, this sort of thing, knowing your own heart and knowing your Savior and being open to the leading of the Spirit. And I think just being wise, right? Praying for wisdom is one of the prayers we're guaranteed will be answered in the affirmative. And continually praying for wisdom to know, I am going to fall into a, an avarice. And it's a time of year, I don't know where people find what they want for Christmas anymore. Kids, what do you do? I mean, I, I, Aaron and I know what we used to do. It's probably the same thing that people 40 years older than us did. Yeah, we, not that there's anyone 40 years older than us in this room. But um, yeah, the Sears catalog, the Toys R Us, super thick one. The JC, yeah, the Sears one was, was really cool because it had sections for everything. So everyone in the family wanted to go through it. Whether you wanted lawn furniture or, you know, a, a phone that was also a radio alarm clock. Um, or whatever, toys, you know, toys galore. And we would go through and, and even that, I would mark all these things knowing my parents weren't going to get me most of them. And it was just fun. And on Christmas morning, I didn't look back and go, but I was so counting on, was there any sin in that? No, it's just childlike wonder. I think we need to be careful of becoming so quote unquote spiritual that we miss out on this life that God has given us. But in going into Christmas, what are your thoughts on? I mean, any more is it even a factor that Christmas is more commercialized in a time of year of uh, coveting and avarice? Yeah. I'd lot rather get together rather than get a gift than mm-hmm. use. Yeah, and I think a lot of people, especially this year, <laughs> I think a lot of people are falling in that in that way. Um, yeah, yeah, I, I, I think maybe the uh, real Marty McFly 80s of it all has faded a little bit, and that's not our main cultural sin we're struggling with right now. It's still out there, but I think other things have taken its place. Sales are going to top all kinds of records this year. Really? Yes, because everything's more expensive. <laughs> <laughs> right. When everything costs twice as much as it did last year. Please. I made a deal with my kids. Last year, but it didn't work. This year, please do not get me anything. I have everything I need, mm-hmm. most of what I want. They're not going to go by that, though. They did. Really? They finally said this year, well, I can't stop what Santa puts in your stocking, but... <laughs> well, there it is. They're going to get you something. Well, that's, she kisses. That's, that's what our family's doing this year, is um, choosing, every family chooses a charity rather than, mm. and we all donate to that charity. And then, and then Josh says, well, does that mean we're not getting together then? Because we're not doing presents. Yeah, because why else would you? Yeah, why else would you get together? <laughs> <laughs> I said, no, we're going to get together and enjoy each other's company. Don't covet your neighbor's tiny little baby either. Oh, that's a big one for you. Did you see her just bottle <laughs> by? So sweet. I, I have something to say. Yeah. Um, what comes to mind is like not maybe the things, but um, like I think about going and seeing faraway places. 
Mm. Yeah. Like, yeah. oh, I wish I could do that. Oh, yeah, the, the, yeah, the wealth, the freedom that comes with wealth, to just kind of oh, yeah. hop on a jet whenever you want to go. Yeah, yeah. My best friend growing up was one of those, could go anywhere, anytime, and I did a lot of coding mm. for life. <laughs> well, and your parents never took you anywhere on vacation. Oh, no, they never went anywhere. Oh, another thing, because I was thinking about that, and then I think about maybe like, the glory. Say like I'm a, I don't know, major league baseball player or something. Like, oh, I wish I could be six things that are that far away. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Think rock star. Cover. All that type of stuff too. Yeah. Yeah. Certainly. Yeah. That that's a huge temptation for a lot of people. Boy, you don't have to look very far to see what that has done to so <laughs> many. I mean, I can think of ball players that had everything and. What came with that was drugs and alcohol and loss of career and loss of family. And yeah. Just, well, and that, you know, with any celebrity from any realm. Devastation. Even pastors. This is the thing I've realized lately that, I mean, pastors, I think, starting in the, about when I started pastoring, I think it became amped up the, because of the level of, like, internet pseudo-fame. Because you could be famous to like a tiny, tiny, tiny little group of people, but super celebrated by them, and you know, still stand in front of forty thousand people and be cheered while you, you know, whatever. Um, I think kind of the the coveting of position and following and all this stuff, size, uh, or not even size of church, but rate of church growth, and all this became a big source of coveting for a lot of ministers. And now it's fifteen plus years later, and I'm going. A lot of the guys, I think I kind of secretly wished I could, you know, not be, but do that same thing they did, achieve the same. You know, they were as young as me, and you look back and you go, wow. Their, their lives and ministries tanked so hard due to that, that they're, you know, there's podcasts about just them now. You know, and you go, yikes, okay, Lord, thank you for, you know, the covetous prayer is one we hope God won't answer. Give me this thing I want really bad. And he looks in your heart and says, you, that's going to kill you. It's going to poison you and doesn't answer it. And we're so upset in the moment. And then looking back, we often see, oh, yeah, he, he really did uh, look out for me by saying no in that, in that case. Yeah. Yeah. And, 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 I mean, the fact that pastors can get covetous about churches and other pastors, I think, just shows the depth of the depravity of our hearts. Like, that should be something that's so sweet. But, I mean, here, um, oops, I'm back in the... Old timey sermon illustrations. Here it says, uh, the tenth commandment forbids all discontentment with our own state, envying or grieving at the good of our neighbor. I mean, grieving at the good of our neighbor, meaning uh, rather than rejoice with those who rejoice, when something good happens for someone else, I get kind of angry and oh man, why that guy's that is also a very poisonous thing, you know. When it's like Robert on Everybody Loves Raymond. I was always upset. <laughs> I forgot about everybody loves Raymond. You were obsessed with that show for a while. I like how he touches things to his chin before he eats them. By the way, I had in my mind while you were talking about um, what you're doing for Christmas this year. Anyone else doing that or looking for a good uh, kind of gift card to give somebody who has everything? If you've ever not heard of Donor C D O N O R Donor S E E dot com, go check that out. It is insanely cool. Um, it is basically a way of using the internet to bring you to the people that need help, and then you see, that's the donor C part, the results. So Calvin and I helped with this little, he was, was three years old, and he looked like he was about, what, 
three months old. I mean, it was, it was a very tiny, malnourished little guy in, uh, somewhere in, in uh, Uganda or somewhere. And they just needed X number of dollars to bring him and his dad into this place for six months so they could get the right food into him and do the medical checkups. And, and, and you watch it go up. It's almost like a Kickstarter or a GoFundMe. And it gets to that level and then they fund it and then every day there's another video, every week there's another video and you yeah. see the kid getting bigger and yeah. oh my gosh, there's, and it's like you know, building a well or there's delivering these people from sex slavery or whatever. It gets kind of addictive. Uh, and at one point I had to like cut myself off from it because I was spending more money on it than I wanted because it feels really good. But um, that's one day. My, my uh, old man got me a uh, gift card for that for my birthday a long, like a year and a half ago. Not my last birthday, but the one before. And I forgot about it. And I found the code and, and I was like, oh, I wonder if this is still good. And I got to go do it again. And now I'm kind of in again. So, um, but that's one to keep in mind. Um, and there's, I mean, there's so many good things. What's that Operation Heifer? Is that, am I calling that right? Or... Yeah, where you get a, a goat or something for a, a little family in a... Heifer International. Heifer International. Oh my gosh, I love that stuff. Um, how much better for a family... Now, what do you think, though, of making sure kids don't look back at their growing up years and go, my parents are so religious, I never even got to open presents. I think presents. that's really important, because I also know someone who, growing up, um, parents focused a lot more on helping people outside of their family mm -hmm. and really did not develop a good relationship with at least this particular child. And it had very long-term ramifications. It's weird to me that there are parents who don't want the like Red Ryder BB gun moment with their kids of like, yes, I did that for you because I love you so much. And it's maybe a better message at the end of the day to say, I love you so much that I'm not going to make you materialistic or I'm not going to love but. I think we can find a happy medium, right? I mean, some people can find a happy medium, not me. But, um. I was listening to, so when I'm working, sometimes I need something to listen to while I'm working. So I was getting at um, pastors, past sermons, and getting to some of the past Christmas ones. And I'm remembering one, I think it was a Christmas one, they were, you were talking about how your parents told all the relatives, he really wants all these toys. He really wants <laughs> these underwear. That was and the status story. He-Man underwear. He-Man underwear. underwear. Your parents, you know, it's better for him to get this underwear. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Why would you bring that up, Barb? It's still so raw. <laughs> I fit in with what you were saying. Yeah. But there is, like, what Kim was saying earlier, there is, res and, and Lisa, there is resistance um, to not getting presents. Because I suggested that this year for... Um, my siblings and, and like just that age group and there was definite resistance. Who resisted it? You. Yeah. And I knew you would. <laughs> but I'm just like, I don't feel the need for more. It's just, I, I want, want more, more stuff. stuff. I want to have more fun opening the, somebody decided to do just like goofy gifts, you know, like that's yeah. fine. Like I, we tried that for a while, a $10 limit. Yeah, just yeah. To see what fine yeah. things you could find for 10 bucks. But. Or we're having, when, on the 18th, when we go to my uh, MLG group, uh, other ABC pastors and I, uh, and Brian Johnson and, and a group of us uh, get together and we're having a white elephant and I, I'm looking that's forward so to that more than to like yeah. most present situations because that is so fun um, but yeah I mean a, a, a gift is a good way to show someone you're valuable to me you guys just got me a, a cool gift to say thanks for being your pastor for 16 years actually two gifts because there was also the t-shirt that had the, the knob <laughs> no stop <laughs> 
I am having a hard time, by the way, getting a hold of the different fingering on this guitar. It's so different, and my really? my brain really is so old. <laughs> but I'm, I'm going to get there. And I'll tell you what, it looks really cool in the uh, cigar room uh, there, in the midst of everything, too. Um, anyway, I think maybe that's... Is that about uh, it for the 10th commandment? Uh, how would you say this rates for some of you anybody this like your your big one the the struggle that you have it's not for me i mean we all have different different sins that make us struggle but i guess i would say this um we're in a golf league with um other couples and um, part of the league was you play golf on friday night and after golf you go to one of the couple's house and you have you know pizza and salad and beverages. They all live in Okemos. They have mammoth homes. Mm -hmm. We live in Lansing. We have a, you know, three-bedroom ranch. I don't covet their homes. I feel bad about my home. That, you know, they are looking down on me. That's the thing. Now, is that coveted? Yes. That is, is a that? super interesting question, what Cindy. Is that? That is an interesting because question. it doesn't feel good every time... You know, and in fact, I tell my family, we're the white trash of the family. <laughs> <laughs> you can like throw a football to the governor's mansion, but... You know, uh, you got to drive down Mount Hope, and it's usually got potholes, and they come to the neighborhood, and it's, you know, a little ranch, and our bathroom's teeny tiny, and... That's an interesting question. It's like, is okay, is that like, what is that? Because you don't want the thing they have. No. But you feel like they're judging. I it. really don't want The huge that. house, what a hassle. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, how much cleaning would you have to do? And yeah, I, I don't know. That's more my problem. I don't find myself wishing I had those things. I wish people, you know, because I absolutely think they do look dumb on us. Oh, yeah. <laughs> So I'm sure they do. Yeah, I don't think so. Oh, I mean, you have a lovely house. I don't have the answer to that. I, I don't feel like that's sinful, Cindy. I, th I feel like you're almost lamenting the level of materialism in some people's worlds or something. Well, here, here's a question. Maybe it's maybe it's this. Maybe it's not. But like, I, I think that you could, in some way, think of that as pride. In, in some way. Oh, maybe. In that, like, if I if I saw somebody who was living this outlandish lifestyle, I might, in my heart, think, like, you know, well, that's not filling whatever need you think it's filling, or that's, you know, and I'm right. sort of in right. some way judging them for that. Yeah, if you had a uh, better character, you'd live a simpler right. life like I do. Right. Even though there are <laughs> certainly a majority of the world population that could look at our Wait, life yes, and say... Exactly. Wow, you're so caught up in all this stuff. If you lived a simpler life like I do, you'd be more right. content. Yeah. No. Hmm. I don't think it's a foregone conclusion, but it could, I guess, lend or, itself that way. Or in a twisted way. So, so you. Let's talk about Cindy in a no, twisted way. No, this isn't about Cindy. This is about me. You love watching the tiny house things. I have the same sort, and you could never live that lifestyle. And I have the same sort of thing with like minimalism. Like I love the idea of that, mm -hmm. but I could never right. do that. Right. But if you put those bags of clothes back in the house, shut you know? up. So, um, <laughs> they're in the trunk now. What I'm trying to say is, like, you can you can covet less stuff, even. Like, there's a certain way that you can 
you can get everything wrong in, in yeah. all these little twisted ways, you know? Always wishing for something different. Yes, always wishing chaos, for something different. Even if it's not more right. stuff, right. even if it's like less right. stuff. Yeah, discontentedness with your own situation. And in that case, I guess you have the ability to jettison a bunch of your stuff if you wanted to. Uh, but To an extent. Yeah. Um, I, at, at any rate, Paul says he was able to be content in yeah. plenty right. or in want. Right. Um, if you can't be content with the plenty, that's a real issue, I think. Yeah. That the heart is trying to find satisfaction right. other than in God. Um, it reminds me of Augustine saying, our hearts are restless till they find their rest in him. And whether it's in a really streamlined minimalist uh, kind of hipster lifestyle or an over-the-top, you know, Reaganomics, <laughs> eight-bedroom, conspicuous consumption kind yeah. of uh, Downton Abbey thing. If you're not looking to him, yeah, you'll find a way to be discontent. Yes. You, you, yeah. you will continually. And remember, Luther said our hearts are idle factories. I think that was one of his best quotes because it, it just rings so true. Even when we've conquered our idols, our hearts will make more. And often that takes the, the form of covetousness. In fact, there uh, in Colossians it says covetousness, which is idolatry. Mm -hmm. They're one and the same uh, for, for many of us. And you think about what happened with Israel. They went into uh, exile in Babylon, right? We're talking about kind of the aftermath of that in, in our uh, sermon series right now. They did that because there was a number of reasons, but the things that really got the prophets going are idolatry and social injustice. And when they were sent away, it kind of cured them of idolatry proper, uh, worshiping false gods, worshiping, you know, the, even the greatest, wisest king of Israel, Solomon, had wives that he married for the wrong reason and then wound up worshiping or paying homage to their pagan gods. That kind of gets cured, but. When they come back and those who stay behind seem to have a new struggle, which is we've done so well for ourselves that it becomes kind of making my house nicer while God's house lies in ruins. That's yeah. one of the big prophetic, like it, it becomes a new idol, but it's still an idol. No matter what happens, though, they conquer that one, another one comes up. And I think we all can relate to, to that. You know, when, when you, and at the end of the day, all sin is a form of idolatry because it's placing ourselves as God and saying, I know better than him and I'll serve myself instead of him. But as soon as I think I've got my sins covered, in fact, I put a thing on Facebook yesterday, I retweeted it. You can't do that on Facebook, I reposted it. Uh, it was a guy in like full on head to toe suit of armor with like the tiniest slit right here. And it said, uh, what did it say, Kim? Like, I'm so, I'm so spiritual in my walk, no sin can get me. And then there was an arrow through the tiny slit, and it said pride. <laughs> once, once we think that we've, we've, uh, we've conquered all of them, then we've given ourselves over to, to one of the worst ones, the original sin, really, right, uh, of pride. Um, what time is it? We have time to move on to the next uh, question? Probably, probably not. Uh, is any man able perfectly to keep the commandments of God? It's easy to just say no, but it's a, a discussion I think is really worth following from the beginning to the end because this is where Jesus puts the fulcrum of his ministry. The Sermon on the Mount seems to be all about this. Uh, the lead up to Jesus coming and I mean, really what we're talking about in Advent in the next few weeks 
seems to be wrapped up in this, the notion that we can't do it. If we could, we wouldn't need Jesus, but uh, we'll, get, we'll get to that next time. Uh, anybody have any brilliant closing thoughts about the Tenth Commandment? It's worth a shot. Let's, I don't. Yeah, no. I would. I would covet your thoughts on that. There's there's one more little. That'll that'll, that'll eat a couple minutes. What about when people say, "I covet your prayers"? Does this strike you as so weird? weird? I find that a weird phrase. Yeah. Or I covet your friendship. Uh-huh. I use that myself. Okay. I mean, to covet is to want really, really, really strongly. It becomes a sin if it's your neighbor's stuff. Um, I think you when don't it's. You have it, doesn't it? Hmm? It means you don't have it. Right, yeah. Yeah, so I'm using it totally incorrectly. Unless you're talking to someone who you want to be friends with. Like, you walk up to somebody on the street and they're like, you're a cool guy. I covet your friendship. Let's be friends. Um, I don't think there's an issue with saying I covet your prayers because it, it can't be sinful to want someone to pray for you, but. Uh, I don't know. There was that guy that showed up at Mel Gibson's house uh, and like snuck past security when the Passion of the Christ was out and said he wanted to, to Mel Gibson to pray for him and he had to call the police, I guess. You can, you can take it to that sinful place if you're a weirdo. Um, all right, uh, covet my prayers now. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this beautiful day. Uh, we thank you for the snow. We thank you for the sun. We thank you for this time of year. We, we are so thankful that we can gather together uh, in a church that's been beautifully decorated for the Christmas season. Lord, we thank you uh, for Cindy and Tina and Sean and uh, uh, I assume Sean, those who uh, uh, went through the, the toil yesterday of, of preparing this space uh, to, to focus our hearts and minds on the coming of the long-expected Jesus. Lord, we are uh, so thankful that we live on this side of his coming, but we so enjoy uh, going through the process of thinking through that anticipation because, Lord, it fuels our anticipation for when your son Jesus will come again in his glory and set everything right and every tear will be dried and there will be no more hunger or thirst or sickness or death uh, and there will be no need for the sun because you yourself will be our light in our midst. Lord, we pray that we would live in light of that, serving a God who saved us and will come again for us, not serving things, not serving titles, not serving a luxurious lifestyle, but Lord, instead using all of the things that you've given us, all of the gifts, all of the resources to bring glory to you. Uh, In your holy name we pray. Amen.